welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Well, it's Monday, May 31st, 2023, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from our headquarters here in Birmingham, Alabama. And actually, you know, I don't think we've said this on the Defender Podcast yet, but we're actually coming to you from the new podcast studio here in Birmingham, Alabama at 200 Missionary Ridge. And we are joined today in person, in studio, by none other than Nancy Osborne. Uh, Nancy oversees our foster care programs as well as our Harbor Family programs. She's our Senior Director of Foster Care and Family Preservation. And we're so grateful to have Nancy here. She hails originally from Florida, uh, but currently lives in Gainesville, Georgia, the chicken capital of the world. And we are so grateful that she joined our team in 2021, and she has been a godsend in so many different ways. And I'll introduce Nancy more in a minute, but we just want to talk today about foster care and foster care month, and we want to look at it from the professional side. What does it look like from a professional side to care for foster care and family preservation? But before we thoroughly introduce Nancy and we bring on the venerable Dr. Rick, I want to remind you about Bridge Educational Services. You see, summer break can be a great time time to let Bridge Educational Services help you and your child maintain learning and structure over the summer. Bridge tutors can help your child prepare for the next year while engaging in fun, purposeful activities that can improve areas such as focus, comprehension, and decision-making skills. Bridge Education Services will customize a plan for you and your child. So you can always visit our website to learn more about Bridge by going to lifelinechild.org backslash bridge. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash bridge for more information, as well as going to our website in general and looking up educational-services. So you can look for our educational services and our whole accoutrement of educational services that are designed to help you and your child thrive. If, if I were Dr. Rick giving this promo, I would probably add that not only am I overseeing Bridge, but my wife tutors for Bridge and my children have benefited from Bridge. Bridge is a great service that certainly has, has flourished even during the pandemic as so many people saw their kids at home and realized they needed help in the classroom. And so we're grateful for able to help families to get ready for the next school year. So don't think that bridge is just for the school year. This is a great time during summer to actually bridge the two years of education and help your child be ready for the next school year. So we're so grateful again just to have Nancy Osborne join us here in our podcast studios at 200 Missionary Ridge. Uh, as we said, she joined our team in 2021 as a director of foster care and family preservation. Uh, she was originally uh, from West Virginia, uh, was born in West Virginia, but uh, as we said before, has spent most of her life in South Florida. Uh, and the thing that I love about Nancy, and, and I know there's a lot of like letters I have to say about her degrees that she has, but this is a, a lady who doesn't just preach it or work at it. She practices what she preaches. And I, I don't even think this is in her uh her bio here, but one of the most impressive things is she actually started a foster care and adoption ministry in her church uh, and has, has been very active in that. Anyway, she relocated to Georgia in 2019. She received both her bachelor's degree in psychology and her master's degree in mental health counseling psychology from Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, Florida. 
She is currently pursuing a PhD in psychology from Liberty University. She wants to be Dr. Nancy, like we call Dr. Rick. Most of Nancy's family resides across various locations in Florida, and she followed God's call in her life to relocate to Northeast Georgia in 2019, but has a chance to visit Florida quite often and still considers it to be home. Nancy absolutely loves, as we all do, college football, and she loves to travel in the U.S. and abroad to keep up connections with dear friends and family and to visit exciting places. Also, and Dr. Rick can also uh, see this as well, there's a theme park or water of some kind involved. That's even better. She enjoys reading, swimming, relaxing poolside, and meaningful conversations. We're so grateful to have Nancy Osborne join us. But before we bring Nancy on, it is that time that people love, that they look forward to. They they plan their watch by. They get excited. I even think people listen to the podcast just for this, when we're able to bring on none other than the venerable Dr. Rick. I'm feeling especially venerable today. I don't know. Like, this is... Th- Herbie, you're in rare form today. I think it's the new studio and and like our opportunity to be in a new place. It's really cool. There's actually a window out here. So if you're ever around 200 Missionary Ridge and we're we're recording an episode of the Defender podcast, you can come stand and watch us and you can just see um, the magic what a that thrilling happened. Thrilling activity. <laughs> nothing more thrilling. I can think of nothing that is duller except maybe watching paint dry. Um but uh, but yeah, going back to your to your promo for Bridge, I feel like this that was the you know the hair club for men commercial. I'm you know I'm I'm not just the vice president in charge. I'm also a client. So we uh, we benefited greatly from you know from those services, and our family is you know deeply wound up and engaged in that, and and uh, and we're thrilled about it. I'm also thrilled that we found a way in the web address to add one more dash yeah, into we are we are we are the people of the dash when it comes to. Um, when it when it comes to web addresses um and so maybe maybe one of the things we could maybe nancy that might be a great dissertation topic for you is the psychological reasons for why lifeline puts a dash after every word in every web address so that it makes it hard for us to read Amen. I'm just seriously, I, um, and we're having a lot of fun and we had a lot of fun even before we, before we got on to, uh, the podcast and, and began to record, but, um, just super thankful for Nancy and for her ministry and, and the things that the Lord has, has used her to do here and to add to our team. And first of all, so welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you so much. What an intro. My goodness. Yeah. You know, like you're going to, like, you're really going to have to bring it today because you've been given a like a tall bar of an introduction, oh, right? Especially when with Dr. Nancy, because I mean, you're you're here with Dr. Rick, <laughs> yeah. and he holds that title pretty close to the, to the vest. Absolutely, absolutely. I want everybody to call me Dr. Rick. That's been that's been my my greatest passion in life. Um, it's funny you you and I were were predisposed to really like each other from the very beginning because of our our mutual friend um, Dr. Jimmy Scroggins. Oh yes, he, um, he loves it when people call him that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I know I know he loves that as much as I do, and so um, so we. But yeah, just uh, all of the things that that the Lord has has walked you through over the years to be in in a place to to be leading um, ministries that are that are 
are coming around folks that are engaged in the child welfare system and giving the church an opportunity to be able to, to step into that. And so I, I think really maybe the way to start is is for us to just could you talk a little bit about just about the work that you do here at Lifeline and about how Lifeline is stepping into family preservation and family restoration and and kind of, you know, just a little bit about our holistic approach. Absolutely. Um, we really want to focus in on engaging the church and helping us locate those gospel centered families, mm. the ones who will come alongside of us, who will be mission minded. Um, so we're intentional about that. That's who we're going after to recruit those families, um, depending on where you are in the country. Um, we're actively involved in recruiting and then also doing the training. Um, a lot of the times Lifeline's providing that state approved training, as well as we're adding in, we're able to add in those biblical elements into the training as well, which is fantastic. We love that we're able to do that, that mm-hmm. we have the, um, the ability to do that and the cooperation from a lot of the states to do that. Um, so then the families are getting really the education plus, you know, mm. getting those required elements, plus they're getting um, that biblical worldview that really comes into play when we're talking about these vulnerable populations and, and these kids that are going to be coming into their homes um, and certainly supporting things like reunification and supporting that family of origin, um, if, if that is what would happen with the case. Um, so we're walking a lot inside families to assess them. Um, thoroughly and walk through that whole process, all the ups and downs, mm. all the, you know, coming into your home and finding out everything about you. Um, it's grateful. We're grateful that uh, we have that opportunity as Lifeline staff to be able to to play that role, um, to walk alongside of them, um, to prepare them as much as possible for when they're going to have placements um, coming into the home. And then in a couple of locations across the country, we're we're supporting those placements as well, mm. going into the home and finding out how how are things going with the children in this home, with the youth in this home. Um, what are those additional resources we can come alongside? Um, the things that we know that our staff know, like trauma informed care, mm. those principles they really play out when we're supporting, um, you know, a current placement. We're su- we're supporting what those foster parents have learned. And then are putting into practice while while we're there with them. Um, and then for for the places where Lifeline exists and we don't have, say we don't have a directive or a, a direct person um, working in these programs, at least not as of yet, we do have resources available for the church, for mm-hmm. the church to be involved, to step in, to come alongside, um, to raise awareness, and really all across that continuum, mm-hmm. you know, we have those opportunities. Yeah, I love I love the fact that um, part of the opportunity that we're able to to take is to really think about how how people, no matter at what stage of the system they enter or no, no matter what perspective they take, they're able to be salt and light. And, and we're able to think about how how are we serving as almost as missionaries stepping into, um, you know, stepping into the state system and and. 
And I think the the intentionality of understanding that our our role in this is um, to help believers to be able to live out um, our calling and and to live out our our mandate to take the gospel with us wherever we go and to tell the gospel and to show the gospel no matter where we go and um, and these are really great opportunities to to be able to you know to do that I'll elaborate on that a little bit okay. just I think about what. Um, about some of the opportunities that are created for, you know, for families to be able to interact with CPS workers, to be able to interact with other people along the way in the system and like where those opportunities exist for people to be salt and light in and around the foster care system. Sure. So as they're walking their journey, they're going to be introduced to all of these folks who maybe would never <laughs> necessarily enter the doors of their church. But they are those, like you just mentioned, they are those missionaries. They're on mission. They're able to to live out, to be the hands and feet of Jesus as they're caring for children in their home who've come from hard places, who've come from, you know, really difficult circumstances. And that has impact. That has impact on those workers um, that they're interacting with. Um, perhaps there's something different about this particular foster family that that worker is interacting with. What is it about you all that seems different? You don't seem, you seem to have a different agenda or purpose behind what you're doing in becoming a foster parent or caring for these children. What is that difference? Why, why does it seem to, why do you seem to stand out? Hopefully in a, mm. in a good way. Um, we have the opportunity to, to influence, you know, the, the levels and the, the layers of supervision um, I think of several workers that we've interacted with, supervisors who've said, goodness, you all, um, you're very thorough mm. in your preparation and in your assessment and the families that you that you bring to us. Mm. And I think even that coming at that from a level of excellence and from a level of preparation that we've we've conveyed something in cooperation with the state. We've said we're we're going to walk alongside of you and provide um, additional resource families for you. And that has impact on not just that direct worker, but really, you know, the folks above who might be signing that home study or signing that license certificate. You know, one of the things that I continually am just overly impressed with, uh, future Dr. Nancy is <laughs> just her, her love and her heart that you hear even in that for the local church, which is really where the heartbeat of lifeline is. I remember the first time I met Nancy was in North Atlanta at Atlanta Bread Company. That's right. At around 3 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> and uh, we walked in and we interviewed Nancy actually for a different job. Yes. And afterwards we said, we don't want to lock you up in that position. We want to we want to bring you on <laughs> for family preservation and, and for foster care. And and just because of that, because we ultimately want to see a broad sweeping reform of foster care where the church is getting involved and really even with a hairy audacious goal that the church could take back caring for the vulnerable child in our country. And, and Nancy, that's been escalated with the Dobbs decision. That's right. Last year. And there's a lot of even misconceptions. You know, you've got the pro-abortion lobby that's going, well, hey, you pro-lifers, foster care is going to blow up and, and you're going to see foster care double and triple and you don't care about foster care. You only care about kids being born. What are some of those mis 
perceptions, misunderstood perceptions of what will foster care look like on the other sides of the Dobbs ruling? Sure. I think it's important to to think through if a woman is in an unplanned pregnancy and is considering her options and um, and decides to voluntarily place her child, that rarely is the state system involved in that. Right. And I think that's such a distinction between perhaps later, maybe that same woman um, might be in some at-risk circumstances and might find herself in a vulnerable place. Mm. And unfortunately, because of the circumstances, might have her child removed from her involuntarily. Mm. And so I think those are important distinctions um, for us to think through. And that you're right, that's one of the arguments Mm -hmm. that, oh, automatically there's going to be a lot of infants, you know, newborns coming into the system that isn't actually accurate um, at all. Um, But in that being said, we still want to make sure that those women that we're coming around them and that we're supporting them because yes, fast forward, what, a year or two years, perhaps later, they really might be in some at-risk situations, you know, some, some circumstances that could lead to, to those those terrible decisions where a worker has to come in and and intervene and remove children. So it does globally have an impact into the system. It's just not, it's not as immediate um, as a reaction, I think, as as what we were hearing, especially right after the decision, the Dobbs decision. Yeah, I know I would even get calls, you know, like, weeks after the Dobbs decision, Uh people saying, well, have you seen an increase in adoption? And it was like, it does take nine months of gestation (laughs) for a child to be born. Actually, nine and a half months. Using some science uh, here. We got to, we're not quite there yet. Uh, Just uh, math. uh, Just math. We may see an uptick. And certainly we have seen an uptick in the amount of women that are are looking for opportunities for adoption. And, And I think you're right. In the next several years, if we're not ready, we may see women that are in compromising situations mm-hmm. that have their children removed from their care. I think that does mean, though, this is a time for the pro-life movement to really say this is how pro-life we really are. We don't just want life born. We ultimately want life to flourish. That's right. Um, so talk a little bit even about how can the church now post-Dobbs, which we should have been doing pre-Dobbs, right? Right. But now it's in our mind's eye. It's it's at the forefront of everything that we're doing. How can the church really come alongside of foster care and family preservation? Right. Um, it really is a continuum, I think, when we think of who we are in the church and, you know, that whole adage of everyone can do something. Not one person can do all, but certainly everyone can do a part of this or a piece of this. If it's even so much as supporting those in your church who are already in Mm. this space, who have already gone on mission, and are you walking alongside of them? Mm. Do they feel that support? Mm. You know, nationally, um, the statistic is something like after one year or so, a lot of foster parents get out of the game Mm. because they're Mm. so burned out, they're so frustrated and discouraged. Mm. Um, And yet, if they have supports around them, those statistics Mm. drastically change. And so if we're if we're investing in those folks who are in the space, um, are we are we talking about this enough in our churches? Are we making the connection between saying I am pro-life, I am pro-life all the way and really connecting that with am I helping to preserve families? Am I helping to 
keep kids safe? Am I am I walking alongside of people who are in crisis? Because that's ultimately what we're talking about, right? Not just, and it's the old adage to say crisis pregnancy. So I almost don't even want to say that. But really, it's if you're in a situation where you're like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Later on, as a parent, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. So are we are we stepping in? Are we finding opportunities as a church to figure out who are those who are those people in my local community um, who who need me, who need me as a member of my church, as a member of my community, as a leader in my church? You know, are we stepping in? Yeah. And and I think something you just said there is so important that I want to go back to as well. Okay. And that is how are we supporting current foster families? Because the true reality <laughs> is that yes. families burn out. Yeah. Uh, they get out of the game, as you said. But also the average number of placements for a child is well over two and a half placements per stay mm-hmm. in the child welfare system. And, and that's just way too many. Right. And what we have to know is these kids are bringing in their trauma. They're bringing in their hurt. They're bringing in their pain. They're bringing in their complexity. But then you also have just the system is hard to navigate. And these families, really, like I, I've told people before, as the church, we're really good about pounding people with food when they have mm-hmm. a tragedy in their life. That's right. Um, but when we look at the kids in foster care, they're coming to foster homes, we've got to realize there's many tragedies that are happening each and every day, each and every week, each and every month. And not that we need to pound them consistently with food, but we need to pound them with love and care and prayer and support. What are ways that you've seen churches, maybe even your church in West Palm with Dr. Jimmy Scroggins, what are ways that you've seen churches successfully care for both, and I'd say both foster families within their congregation, but also those foster families that might even be believers in that community? Right. So some of it is concrete things like you're talking about bringing meals regularly. Sometimes it's, can I, can we offer you a mom's day out? Mm -hmm. Can we offer you some respite? Um, Can we have some, some formal um, structure to those kinds of things within our church ministries? Um, Can we, can we walk alongside um, if there are services that would be helpful and supportive to say the special needs of the children who are placed in the home? Are we are we looking for are we are we able to find those within our church connections and not necessarily having to rely on that overworked CPS worker who's come in mm-hmm. once a month, mm-hmm. who's probably honestly may not even have all of the knowledge of the resources that are out there because Maybe they're not even sure exactly yet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's so many ways that we can um, that we can support those families who are in the trenches. I think we can also find ways to sound the call mm-hmm. to bring in new families. Mm-hmm. And I I've noticed the ones who are currently fostering tend to be the best recruiters. Mm-hmm. But they, they sometimes they they don't. They shy away from that. I'm not exactly sure, you know, what what all is behind that. But like, please come, come, come join me on this mission field and in, in what I'm doing and what we are doing as a family. Um, raising awareness. I think I think education is huge. Part of what we did in the church that you mentioned in South Florida was just just letting folks be aware of the need. Mm-hmm. And what are the true needs, the true needs of folks who would take older children, who would take a sibling group into their home? You know, things that sometimes I think even in the church, when we hear foster care, we might be thinking of like, 
a little one. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's wonderful. That's great. But is that our highest need? Mm -hmm. It's not. It's really those older kids, the kids that remember where they come from, you know, have, have some pretty significant emotions and Mm -hmm. memories of where they came from. Um, you know, sibling groups who we'd love to be able to keep together. Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely know there are families in our churches who, if they truly heard that mm-hmm. and really felt that call from the Lord that they could step in as well. Um, so sometimes it's just about getting, getting the message out. Yeah. I think our church leaders can help with that. Yeah. And I think the other just thing that people need to know is this is not an age segregated way to help. So, mm. you know, any child can help in foster care ministry. Mm-hmm. That's true. One of the number one things I hear from foster families is my child, when I bring them to church, they're so different. They're so excluded. They literally sit, sit in the corner. And so it's all the way from just bringing situational right. awareness, even to our four and five and six year olds to say, right. hey, little Johnny's coming in mm-hmm. to your class today. Why don't you show him, you know, where the coloring sheets are? Why don't you come alongside of him? It's helping our, our children's ministry and mm-hmm. our, our junior high ministry and our our, 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 you know, our youth ministries and student ministries to say, let's love on these children and bring them into our fold. I, I remember even from volunteering at, at my church here in Birmingham, where we had a large foster care ministry and have a large foster care ministry. You know, we had, as I was walking with some boys from sixth grade to 10th grade, we would have kids that were in foster care that would yeah. come into our class. And right. it was very intentional when I knew they were coming mm-hmm. to tell the other boys, hey, we're going to show gospel kindness. But then it's also, hey, that little couple that's in their 70s, they've been married for 50 years. You don't know the gift that you are to a child in foster care to show that marriage can last, that there is stability, there's something to aim for. So from, from four all the way to 74, there's something that someone can do within a church. And, and I think that's so important. But I, I want to shift, too. Okay. Because we've talked a lot about traditional foster care. Mm-hmm. But... If people were paying attention, they noticed this family preservation piece <laughs> in your title. And certainly I think people think of, oh, well, family preservation, reunification, getting kids out of foster care. Right. But it's also how do we keep kids from ever going into foster care? Mm-hmm. How do we provide respite for moms that might be at risk or moms or dads that might be mm-hmm. at risk of their kids entering the foster care system? And that's where Harbor Families comes in. Talk, talk to us right. a little bit about family preservation. So when we talk about Harbor Families, so... If you think back to a time when your own family had a crisis and because of that crisis, you needed someone to take care of your kids, Mm. Um, maybe for a little bit of time, maybe for a long amount of time, you reached out to your informal supports, your friends, your family, your neighbors. Um, And I think of the population that we're that we're wanting to serve are those. It is mostly moms. You're right. It could be dads. But a lot of the time it's a single mom who is walking into a crisis and doesn't have those informal supports, Mm. doesn't have reliable maybe, um, or local um, folks who could step in and say, I really need someone who could provide some temporary care for my kids because of X, Y, Z. And it might be, maybe they need to get some medical treatment or some mental health treatment. Um, Maybe there's a situation, a really unsafe situation that they need to get out of. Um, maybe there's some some situation with their housing. And so with Harbor families, we have volunteer families who have come through, come through our program. They're thoroughly 
background checked and assessed and go through a whole process to be approved. And they step in and they say, we will, we will step in and we'll take care of your kids if it's for a weekend or sometimes 30 days, depending on what the scenario would be. Um, And that's a connection through a local church. So automatically that, excuse me, that parent is already being connected Mm -hmm. to what you mentioned just a minute ago, that kindness and love that Mm -hmm. we get to extend as people who are gospel centered. Mm -hmm. So we have other volunteers who come alongside as well. One who works with that mom and walks through what would it take to get you to a stable place? Mm -hmm. Um, Is that helping you find new housing? Is that getting you on the other side of this medical Mm -hmm. situation? You know, what might it be? Maybe it's consistent childcare, um, so you can go back to work. Mm. I, I, we see that a lot, actually. Um, and in the meantime, your kids are safe and taken care of. Mm. And then that family might invite you to the church mm-hmm. where you can interact and see how your kids are a part of maybe mm-hmm. participating in that children's ministry that you just mentioned. And so the whole church has wrapped around this, mm-hmm. this family. And so without that, would that mom say two or three steps down that crisis, would she be facing like the state stepping in, mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know, being accused of things like neglect because she can't provide a stable home um, or can't, her finances are a mess or something like that. And so we have the chance to intervene in that earlier stage to where the state isn't involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bonus is she gets to build that community through the local church. That's like a, Outside of our midst, a research validated thing that 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 promises success for keeping families together and helping families thrive. You look at research across the board and and there there are these things called protective factors. Right. Right. And one of those probably the cardinal one of those protective factors is supportive community support. Mm-hmm. And and so what we have in the body of Christ is a God designed, God ordained, God blessed, supportive community that we have the opportunity to be able to open people to. That's and right. and that's the you know, that's really the 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 neat thing about being able to be a part of something like Harbor Families is by and large, you're taking people that have sort of been inaccessible to the church. They or at least they've been kind of out of sight, out of mind. We don't, you know, mm-hmm. and we've created a way for the church to meet a meaningful need for them, right? But then in meeting that meaningful need for them, um, they really have a wide open pathway. We have a wide open pathway to be able to meet, um, you know, the greatest need for them. That's right. And I think, you know, one of the things Herbie said it earlier, but um, that I want to I want to make sure that we point out is in every place along the way, along this continuum, um, there are opportunities for evangelism. There are opportunities yes. with and, and it's everybody from state CPS workers to parents who are engaged in the system, to kids who are engaged in the system. And it, 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 like it's everybody. That's right. And and this really gives us an opportunity to be able to rub shoulders with a part of our community that sometimes are, you know, are at a, a, a distance from ours. And I know you've seen that in, you know, in in even what you've been able to to live in in mobilizing a local church to, you know, to do this. That's right. They've been overjoyed to it's been interesting to see not only a local church, but a network 
of local churches come alongside Mm. one family and play different roles depending on, you know, maybe one role is from this church, another from that church, but they're still wrapping around, you know, that family and truly showing that that's, that's actually what this is all about, Mm -hmm. right? As the body of Christ. I think of this particular community and it's churches across multiple denominations. Right. You know, this is this is something we can all agree upon. Right. Is helping out these families in crisis. Like you said, a lot of times churches are I'm not sure where those families are. I don't know how to find them. And now now we know exactly where to find them. And we can say, hey, church, step up. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we talk about this kind of uh, like a multiplicity of different ways that people can be involved and in, in like right. all of these things that we can do. But um, but to kind of close out our time and, and to kind of move toward the end, I think it would be appropriate for us to, to get small here to okay. say if um, if there's somebody that's out there listening and they're saying, I want to I want to take the first step or I want to help my church to take the first step to step into um, into the child welfare system, into family reunification, bringing the gospel to bear there. Like, what are some great first steps that people can take? Right. I think for sure um, our fostering hope resources that we have available online is a great place to start, especially if folks don't know where to start mm-hmm. because they there's a continuum there, like how to start something if there's nothing, how to come alongside. Um, there's things like Bible studies that you could, um, you know, have in your church mm-hmm. just to raise awareness mm-hmm. all the way to um, being able to love on and support those local government workers, you no know, agency workers, um, certainly for Harbor families, um, there is a, there's an opportunity on our website to, to submit an interest form. If that's something in wherever you are in your community and you want to hear more, because it is something we absolutely want to see grow and expand. I've had an opportunity to interact with some other agencies who are in that same space and have the same heart that we do about finding, you know, gospel centered families to come alongside. And it's been incredible to see that network mm-hmm. continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And even as Dr. Ritt was pontificating, we talked about <laughs> the, the gospel reality mm. and coming alongside. And what a what a gospel picture of restoration, reunification, reconciliation. Because in Harbor families, truly there's input and there's ministry to a family, mm-hmm. to a child, and to a system. Right. Even right. by looking back at that system and say, hey, we've got your back to try to make sure that there's safety here mm-hmm. and to make sure that there's a safe place to a, to a family. We're saying, we're going to put your child in a safe place where you can get on your feet, but not just where you can get on your feet, where we can help you and come alongside of you. And it truly is a safe family for those families, those moms and everyone to, to be engaged. Uh, you know, one of the last places that even as we think about gospel hope, and we're on the other side of Dobbs. Right. Nancy, just to end this out, how are what are ways that people can be praying for our system, for children, and for families in our foster care system or who are at risk of entering into our foster care system? All of the above. <laughs> I think praying across all of that continuum. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of um, for, for more to answer the call. Yeah. To step in to the uncomfortable, <laughs> to to listen to the Lord's leading, mm. um, 
I would never have imagined after all these years of all the different roles that I've played that I would be here mm. and having, you know, the kind of impact that I get to have now. Mm. And that's, that's a testament to just obedience. Mm. So mm. I would, I would just say that I think that if we step into obedience, like the Lord just continues to, to prove who he is. Mm. And I think across all of that, right, mm. whether it's stepping in yourself, whether it's gathering more around you, whether it's sounding the call of awareness, um, getting into the the messiness of this ministry is is my prayer. Yeah. And we know that Peter says that we are strangers and that we are aliens and this is not our home. Yet so many times we take up roots and get comfortable here mm. and we're not willing to be interrupted. And I think really what stepping into this ministry is about is to saying, I'm open to a gospel interruption. I'm I'm open to truly living as a foreigner, as a stranger, as an alien yes. by helping others and, and disrupting my own rhythms to be able to help another. And so, and that's what gospel ministry is all about. Well, we thank you to Nancy, obviously to the venerable Dr. Rick for joining us and for you for listening uh, to this episode of the Defender Podcast. We look forward to seeing you next month in June for the next episode of the Defender Podcast, where you can hear awesome conversations as well as the venerable Dr. Rick pontificate about all the ways that you can defend the followers. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.